So again, we have, we're going to the next topic, which is going to be called classification of hadith. And when we're talking about classification of hadith, we're going to be noting some keywords. You're going to be, um, these words are actually in Arabic, but you have to memorize them. The, the keywords are very popular in your um, final exams, and it's important that you try and recall these words. Now, the hadith, you know, when you have an hadith, when you have so many hadith, they're grouped into different um, class classes. So you have um, the first class of a hadith is what we call Sahih or sound hadith. Sahih. Maybe they said Sahih. Sound hadith. The second group or the second class is what we call Hassan. Hassan or something that it can be classed as good. Good hadith. I'm going to define each and every one soon. Now, another class is Da'if. Da'if. Da'if, which means weak hadith. And the last one is what we called Modu. 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 Modu hadith is the hadith that is being fabricated. It doesn't even exist at all. It doesn't even have any atom of doubt that it can be real. Okay? So that's what we mean by Modu hadith. Hadith. Now, the first class is Sahih. It means that it has passed all the tests as applied to its isnad and matn. Any hadith that has passed all the tests of um, of trying to authenticate it based on its isnad and matn is what we call sahih. It's very sound. It's strong. Yes. Now Hassan is is not as it's not on the same level as that of Sahih, but is is um very good. It is it is sound, but not as sound as that of the Sahih. So that's why it's being grouped as Hassan. And both Sahih and Hassan hadith are used as proof and uh for any religious obligation and they are acted upon. Okay. Da'if, lastly, I'm going to talk about Da'if. Da'if hadith, this is usually cost when the class and hadith as Da'if. For instance, it's, there's a problem when, when they're talking about the isnad of the hadith. This usually, it's usually caused by a problem or doubt about the isnad of, or one or more of the reporters in the isnad. So the isnad has been checked. And a problem has been found in the isnad. Maybe one of the narrators in that isnad is uh, is not real, or was not present at the time, or there's something. There's a problem along the line. This hadith will automatically be grouped as da'if, and it cannot be used for legal matters in Islam. Okay, we're not going to be using it for um, our religious. We're not going to be taking how we're going to pray from such hadith, how we're going to fast from such hadith. Okay? So, these are the classification of hadith. Sahih, which is sound. 
Hassan, which is good. Da'if, which is weak. Maudu, which is fabricated. Okay? Something that is not real. Fabricated means something that that didn't happen, but has been claimed to have happened. Okay? So that's all. So let's talk about differentiating between the word of hadith, the word sunnah and hadith. What is the difference between hadith and sunnah? Okay, when we're talking about hadith and sunnah, you will you would hear this. Although it's not so much of a popular question in your in your examination, but I think it's something that you should know. Okay. Now these two words mean same thing in some context and they mean different things in other contexts. So in some context the word sunnah and hadith mean the same thing and in some other context they mean two different things. Okay? Just like who can give me an example of a word in English that means that could mean this that could mean two different things and at the same time they have same meaning with um, they, 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 they have different names okay so now the first I'm going to talk about the, the point at which they have the same they, they mean the same thing so when we're talking about sunnah or hadith it can mean that whatever is narrated about whatever is narrated from or about the Prophet وسلم, of his words action approval may be called hadith or it may be called sunnah okay so you can call the hadith you can use the word hadith to mean sunnah in this point when you're talking about the meaning of hadith the words action and attributes of the prophet secondly where they mean different things now where um um the word sunnah and hadith mean this different things First, you know that sunnah could mean the opposite of bid'ah. When you're talking about sunnah, you're talking about the opposite of bid'ah. What is bid'ah? This is a question in your... I've, I've met this question before in your past um, question booklet. The word um, sunnah as opposed to bid'ah. Bid'ah means innovation, introduction of new things. Bid'ah, B-I, then... And, uh, apostrophe d-a-h so that's bid'ah innovation or in bringing innovating new matters into the religion of islam when allah has already told us that our religion has been complete and we do not bring new matters into it that do not have any roots or foundation in the quran and sunnah okay so you have to look into the kind if something is coming into the religion you have to have basis for it in the quran and then the sunnah to avoid it falling under what we call bid'ah, okay, innovation. So, sunnah can mean the opposite of this innovation, okay. The word sunnah is used to describe adhering to Islam. Now, here it means adhering to Islam in the manner prescribed, okay. It could mean adhering to Islam in the manner prescribed without adding to it and without introducing new matters or innovation into the religion so this is when we what we're talking about when we say it when it's oh, it's the opposite of bid'ah now the second time sunnah means different things sunnah and hadith mean different things is 
when um, the fuqaha, the scholars of fiqh, use the word sunnah, they use the word sunnah to explain. this. In this matter, we're talking about fiqh now. Fiqh, the, when you're talking about the um, legal matters like how you, how you pray, how you perform hajj, how you do your song, when we're talking about all the legal matters in Islam, the practical matters, the things that have to do with you um, following the injunctions of ibadah or worship. Now, the scholars of fiqh, what do they, they use this word sunnah when explaining the ruling on doing a specific action as being liked or encouraged. Oh, they do not use the word hadith in this context. When the, this scholars or the um, the knowledgeable people of fiqh, what they say is they they, they use the word fiqh, um, they use, uh, sorry, they use the word sunnah to describe an action that is not obligatory, that is just encouraged. It's encouraged. It is liked. It is it is something that if you do it, you're going to get rewarded for it. So this is what the the, the scholars they say they, they say this is sunnah. For instance, to perform ablution now, we have the sunnah aspect of ablution and we have the compulsory aspect of ablution. Okay? If you miss out the sunnah aspect of ablution, you're not going to your ablution is still valid. But if you miss the compulsory aspect of ablution, then your ablution is invalid. Okay? So in this instance, the scholars would use the word sunnah. I hope it is very clear. Now let's move on. The collection, collation, preservation of hadith. Now here we're going to be talking about how the sahabas actually collected hadith. It's just a summary how the sahabas, how did they collect the hadith? How did they collect it? And how was it preserved? So that's what we're going to be looking at here. Now, the collection, collation and preservation of hadith. Now, um, to introduce this, who is the Prophet? We all know the Prophet is the last messenger of Allah that Allah sent with the Quran. Allah revealed the Quran to him to bring his creations from darkness to light. That is, to bring them out of ignorance to knowledge, to bring them, to take them out from the wrong path to the right path. Now, he had companions. Which we know, which we know them, um, which we usually call them the Sahabas. We call them Sahabas. These followers were also blessed. Okay, they're blessed with retentive memories. They were exceptional humans, because for the legacy of the Prophet to be preserved for the next generation, that means his followers have to be exceptional. And that's why Allah testified to their to their integrity, to their to their work in the Quran. Allah says, Allah says in the Quran, anhum, that Allah is pleased with them, 
and he's that they Rabbi Allah and Hamarad and that Allah is pleased with them and he is pleased and they are pleased with Allah. So we know that the three generations that came after the prophets they've been um they've been certified for us in the Quran. Those are the people that we can actually take we can actually take the understanding of the religion from them because they leave the era closest to the Prophet They lived during the, an era that was closer to the Prophet than any other person. So if we want to understand something in the religion, we look at their own understanding. How did they understand this particular thing of the Prophet? How did they preserve it? Now, these are the people that Allah used as, as a means of preserving the hadith of the Prophet Wasallam. Now, um, initially, the Prophet Wasallam instructed the his Sahabas not to not to like have a system um, write his um, write his statement in a systematic way. He, he to avoid them mixing it with the Quran. So. Um, it was like that initially, but later on, during the time of one of his companions, the um, the third caliph, Uthman ibn Affan, who was also the secretary of the Prophet, he initiated the process. It began the process of the collection and collation of the hadith of the Prophet during this era. But uh, the real systematic collection. And compilation actually began during the time of the Tabi'in. We know the Tabi'in to be the followers of the companions, okay? The companions are those that followed the companions. So, generally, Omar ibn Abdul Aziz is the one credited with uh, ordering the, the first official compilation of a hadith 